Oh, Dustin, you said you saw a little bit of Dave Chappelle? Or a lot of it? Or like, I was just curious. I was just curious to see what... It, it wasn't even that. You know what? Since Google listens to us, it was like I was getting the recommendations of uh, the clips or whatever. You know what I mean? Certain videos, but they had to look hard for it. So I clicked on like I clicked on like the first or second one. I really think I've seen it on some. Somebody mentioned it on Instagram. I know you and I have talked about it briefly, but somebody mentioned it on Instagram. I kind of YouTube. It was there on my uh, homepage or whatever, and I watched the video, which was a segment. But it was actually like it, it contained a, a, a little short segment from his latest stand up, but they combined mm. it with other, you know. Stand up segments, yeah, as well. a compilation of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's about six, 16 minutes long. So I watched that and I was just like, <sighs> I mean, I, I get it, but I just go to the comment section, you get what I mean? And I read, yeah, the comment section to say there were people both from the you know the, the LGBT community as well as uh, people that were Dave Chappelle fans in the comment section. And they all were, were, for the most part, I mean, I didn't read all thousands of comments, but the ones I've read, they all were showing support for Dave Chappelle. Well, before we get too deep into it, this is Synchronicity, bro. The podcast. The date is October 13th. It's a Wednesday. And uh, I'm Chris. And I'm Dustin. And we're going, we, we talking, we talking about the uh, Dave Chappelle Latest special, the last special for for Netflix that he's doing, his final one is called The Closer. I think he's done like five in total. Uh, and the reason I kept on seeing it on my timeline was because the the T part of the LGBTQ community was very upset with him about some stuff he had said in this in this special. So I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to make some time to watch this and see what what all the fuss is about. And so Dustin, you said you just saw the clip and you saw in the comments people like who was supporting like people were supporting them from every like from all walks of life or oh no. I mean particular point of views was supporting. I'll just use an example, right? I'm not I'm not gonna say what I read, but like say if I'm on a sports fan forum, right, and somebody comments and they'll be like I'm a Patriots fan here, and good luck to you guys. You know what I mean? That's how yeah. they were identifying yeah. themselves, and then they would they would point out where they are in the world, or you know what, where they identify, what team, and then they would comment on how they felt, or keep their opinion or mind on on the subject. Um, and that was it. I think I just seen a lot of you know you censored this, then what can we even say anymore? Um, you know, nobody's gonna cancel day, blah 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 blah, just stuff like that. Well, cool. Know? Let's circle back around to the comments because I think. Uh, Best way to talk to talk about this is to go through the special itself a little bit, and just kind of like what Dave did on the on the special, because all that stuff gets lost in the the argument, the conversation, and the controversy. Once everybody starts going back and forth and see see how everybody feels and how everybody reacts to it and stuff like that, but. Uh, It's funny because like Dave Chappelle has done this, gotten to this mode where he's, it don't feel like he's like a normal comedian anymore. It feels like he's just trying to, he's trying to be a, a storyteller. 
and he's using like comedy as his as his way to get some of the stuff off that he wants to say that you usually can't get away with. All right. And so on this special, he kind of was telling the story of his history with that community. And from from the way he framed it, it started back like in 2000, uh, like 2006 or something, when he was off of the show, off the Dave Chappelle show, when he was done with that. And he was just doing a, some stand-up in, I think, I think he said San Francisco or something, right? And he had some jokes about that community. And some people in the audience, one person in the audience in particular that was uh, transsexual was like mad at him, yelling at him during the during the show. And he was like talking about how he didn't, he just was like told the, told the bouncer to get him out, get him out, get him out of there, right? And so that person went to go talk to um, a newspaper and that article kind of set the tone for how his relationship was with that community from, from then on. He said every time somebody came to him and complained about his jokes in, in, in one of his uh, specials or jokes from one of his stand-ups, they would always cite something from that article. And it was a uh, in particular line that he kept on referencing was how Dave Chappelle should stop punching down on their community. And so in his own in his own way, I think in his dope way of storytelling, he he basically used that story arc to to circle back around to present day. And without giving the whole thing away, he ends it by saying, uh, now that you know, now that they've kind of established because things have changed since since then, right? And with that community and the way that they've they've used their power to to influence policy and influence culture and everything like that. And he ends it by saying, you know, like I want he basically saying, you know, I want a truce with you guys mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, but all I ask is just uh don't punch down on my community. And mm-hmm. so I think uh, I don't know. I don't know. When I was watching it, I was trying to figure out what in particular was the one part that set them off. Maybe it was the way he kept on uh, referencing them a certain way. I don't know what it will be. But it also, for, I mean, from my perspective, it felt like he was just giving his honest perspective. And I think uh at least especially in comedy. I feel like that's kind of the point of it. <laughs> like just to offer your perspective wasn't like he was uh, necessarily saying anything purposefully uh, harmful to the community and everything like that. Because I think a lot of a lot of times he was, he was referencing like personal stories and personal relationships he had with people in that community throughout it. Uh, so I don't know exactly what it was that they that, that they were upset about. I don't know if you caught anything on that, on that end. Yeah, I, I can tell you. 
because, like I said, from my perspective, it was him explaining how he felt. And I think one thing that I could see them being upset with was that he referenced that he didn't necessarily understand it. I mean, I mean, just watch, watch the clip, watch the, watch the special, you know, for people, and and come to your own conclusion. Um, in comedy, it's like you're never really saying anything hurt or with intention, you know, with intention to be hurtful behind it. Um, and more importantly, like after you watch it, I mean, for me, it's like you you laugh at the jokes. And then at the end of the show, you, you go on with life. You don't, it doesn't start this agenda of anti this group or anti that group because somebody told some jokes about them. At least I haven't felt any, you know what I'm saying? I've never had that influence on myself personally where it was like, okay, I went to a comedy show. They told a joke about somebody. And now all of a sudden I'm anti that person or, or right. now I'm always making fun of that, that person now because of that simple joke. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of like comedy is a critique on society to a certain extent. You know, like you said, it's your perspective. Are we not allowed to have perspectives anymore? Are we not allowed to have opinions based off of our, you know, our experiences and and how we see the world now? We're just not allowed to just talk about anything because it's so simplistic, you know? Um, especially as, you know, African-Americans. I think I think uh, he presented in, he presented it in a conversational way, which which I feel like should be the goal of these things, you know. I just feel like it started to become a control thing. Of there's, you just can't say anything. Um. To them right now because they're trying to set this agenda of acceptance and equality, so anything you say. Um, targeted towards them, whether it's in jest, you know, it's comedy, whatever, is not supporting the cause. You are at risk of, you know, receiving backlash, um, receiving a negative reaction to whatever you say. So there just has to be caution, you know, behind that. Um, and there, you know, there's definitely an agenda to push the censorship to push the equality and all of that, you know, all of that stuff. Because now people in that community, they're, they're in higher positions, you know, with more power. You, you want to be able to be yourself. If somebody else like that in Congress or I don't know, in showbiz, I don't know. You get what I mean? You just want to be able to be yourself and not feel like I'm still always going to get bullied, talked about. My main thing is this. I seen something on Instagram. This one woman, she posted it, and it has something to do with the the community, and some something I can't remember what it was. If I don't know if it was even in relation to the Dave Chappelle thing or something like that, but the comment was, "Ooh, we gotta get good at saving stuff." You know what I mean? In, in yeah. But the comment was, whatever whatever he had said about the community, they had brought up the amount of trans women being murdered, right? Mm-hmm. And she. She she cited the number, which, you know, whenever you're talking about murder, any loss of life is, is tragic, right? But the amount the amount of people that were, you know, I guess supposedly murdered this year in that community 
And then she cited the amount of uh, black women getting killed, getting kidnapped and stuff. And it wasn't even like, bro, it wasn't even like one, one fifth in comparison. Yeah. Like the yeah. amount of black women. So she was just making a point like, you know, I mean, she was just spitting, like I said, you just report the data at the end of the day. If you show the numbers, it don't matter what your opinion is. Facts is facts. Numbers are numbers. Okay. You know? I'm glad you said that because that, remind, that reminded me of like one of the major points he was making in there. He's, he said, I've never had a problem with the transsexual community. He's like, I've always, I've always been talking to, he said, I've never been talking to the transsexual community when I've been discussing these things. I've always been talking to white people. Mm. And so what he, he made, he used a point, he used that to make a point of when I, when I had, when I had them cornered as far as like, uh, they, there was nothing left they could say to me because I was just making strong points to them. They basically turned around and was like, I'm a woman now. You can't talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, so he's, he's using that joke to basically say he's used that white, white people and that people that have these interests to oppress black people are using that community now as a, more so as a weapon against the black community to oppress them now. And which I think is an interesting point, you know what I mean? Like, it's his perspective from him being in Hollywood all them years and uh, dealing with what he had to deal with throughout those years and everything like that. I think one thing that was that was probably lost in the conversation was he he made this dope analogy talking about this story of uh, said he wanted to write a a, a, child, a children's book called Black Black Clifford, where uh, mm-hmm. this dude he uh, he goes to the restaurant. So he he makes he makes a reservation. And on on the on the phone he sounds white. He has a white name. So they're like, Oh yeah, fine, you of course you can come in. But when he pulls up, he's just this this giant uh black uh this giant black man. Right? And so when they see him, they're like, No, you can't come here and they call the police on him and he said every time he comes to the police shoot him. <laughs> every time the police pull up they just shoot him. And he said they never Yeah, he said they never kill him though. He said it just breaks it just break his heart. And so I thought that was a super dope analogy <laughs> like that he used that he just threw in there. Uh that got completely overlooked, you know what I mean? Because once again, like I think his major point was that he was saying they, they use that conversation of the LGBTQ community just as another weapon now to oppress the black culture. Oh, that's an interesting. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I'll just say this: we we can we can use these different art forms to spark conversation, just like a picture can, or a music video can, or even a song can. You know what I mean? The important thing is just conversation being being started to to make us think about certain things. Once we get to the point where now we can't even speak our mind, then we can't really have an honest conversation. For sure. You know, if we can learn to be respectful. And so if if the community felt disrespected by his comments, that's their right to feel disrespected. Uh, whether, you know, people outside the community feel like it wasn't disrespectful, you know, they still have the right to to say what they feel like is disrespectful or not. But I know he has a comment on the video I watched earlier where he was just like, I can respect... Um, their wishes, but like, how deep do I have to go into 
their you know what I'm saying their demands. Well, he he had a yeah, he had a particular line, a particular quote from that. Like, Let me see if I screenshot it because I did screenshot something in the video that I, I did want to bring up. Let me pull it up. Where, where's this part? Okay, here's here's the thing I screenshot it though. Okay, so he just said um this isn't the thing he said, but this is another one that I thought. You know, our cult our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe, say, or do. Mm. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Mm. So I feel like with cancel culture, there are certain things that, I don't know, it's almost like with, to me, how Af- uh, black people will use racism, right? If mm. every instance is, is used and we try to say that this is outrageous and stuff, then there's no tear, you get what I mean, of certain things. And I feel yeah. like it's that with everything. Certain cancer culture, it's like, look, some things deserve to, you deserve to be canceled. Some things I feel like we just need to have a conversation. Because one thing he did say was that, look, sometimes when I when I mess up and make a mistake or whatever y'all want to do because y'all you guys are upset at what I say, it's a learning opportunity for me. You cancel me, you miss out on that learning opportunity. And if yep. he has a teachable moment, it's a teachable moment. Yeah. Right. So if you have a platform, you had an audience. Now it's a learning and a teachable moment for your audience. But mm-hmm. if you just all of a sudden say cancel, then we're gonna think that about y'all. That okay, that's how y'all feel. <laughs> we exactly. just can't have no opinion, but we're supposed to care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I know people again. feel that way towards the black community. You get what I mean? Yeah. So. There's a lot of parallels. That's why I just feel like, look, we can really, this is really a great opportunity, not just for America, but for society to have certain conversations. But because there are certain agendas being pushed, some of these uh, conversations can't really be authentic conversations. You get what I mean? Because there's always a certain agenda. That's why if Dave Chappelle was saying the thing about, y'all, you guys are using this as a form of oppression, not really a form of equality. I can't, I, you know what I'm saying? If he feels that way, that's his perspective. That's his experience. Yeah. And that's a conversation because you have to say now, why do you feel that way, Dave Chappelle? Why do you feel like we're, we're not helping other people feel accepted in, in America or in the world where instead we're only doing this to oppress the black community? Like, please explain that. And now we're having a conversation. We can use examples and stuff. And then maybe something can be changed and we, and we come to a better conclusion. But yeah. I'm not even allowed to speak our minds and have these type of statements we can't, you know, what's going to be resolved in the big picture? I think that's why the special was so good, too, though, because he did touch on all those all those different aspects of it. He touches on the, the racism within the feminist movement. He touches on the the racism within the LGBTQ movement and how, uh, like, in particular with the feminist thing, how, like, early on, it was pretty clear that uh, white, it was white woman's agenda first, and then it was everyone else type of thing. It was like, uh, you can't come up here and talk about racial equality because we're first trying to get women's suffrage taken care of, you know what I mean? Uh, and how that is carried through even to this day. He touches on that within all these different movements, you know? And so I think he did a good job of fleshing out the entire thing so that, th- so that it is a, con- a conversation piece more than anything, you know? More than just a stand-up, uh, <laughs> a stand-up special, you know? So that's yeah. what I was impressed by with him. Like he's just gotten to that level where he's just really good at doing that, and I mean, that's why he's one of the goats to this day. For sure. 
I think that's how we move forward, bro. Uh, you get in a conversation, like any 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 uh conversation you have with a group of five, ten people, right? For real, for real. It could mm-hmm. be your friends, family members, whatever. If we were to bring something up, most of the time it's more people talking than it is people listening to the other people talk. For sure. When somebody's talking, you're people that are in the conversation at the time are waiting just for that person to get done talking so they so they can be heard. <laughs> for sure. And that's what I feel like we have to really overcome as a community, as a society. Overall, it's 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 only going to continue to grow into so many different it's like when we talk about music genres right mm-hmm. you got rock and roll um okay rock and roll can be the beatles and then rock and roll can be uh little um little uzi you get what i mean or it can be jimmy Hendrix. yep but it can be 70s rock and roll 80s rock and roll 90s rock. like that's how i feel like humans we're just we're you know we're classifying each other we're, we're putting each other in these different boxes of where we identify what we what we want to be known as what our human experience is and when this country was first created it was a very small selection of what you could be you know but now it's so many different cultures so many different uh yeah just cultures bro forget racist and then we're creating new ones you got african-americans with asians with whites with mexican like whatever we're creating new um, ethnicities or races, however you want to classify it as, and to me, that's the opportunity to create new cultures. But if you if you're not open minded to say the world is always going to change, I tell uh, I tell our niece all the time, like really weird don't mean weird weird don't mean what, it, what weird meant 20 years ago, right. because you realize I'm not weird when a hundred thousand other people like what I like. They just don't. They didn't go to my school, but yeah. we found each other on the internet. <laughs> that's real. That's you real. Know? So, so now that's, that's kind of where we are. And that's what I mean by having these conversations. And then, you know, if we move forward and we should, we should get better, not become more divided. It's enough things dividing us. <laughs> yeah. As it is. Those are facts. Those are facts. All right. And I mean, that, that leads into the um, craziness of the NFL never ending uh, racism cycle. <laughs> First, it was uh, Urban Meyer getting caught on on a uh, on candid video in a club in somewhere in Ohio, and then it was John Gruden's emails that came out of him having a lot of I don't know harsh language towards a lot of different people. Over like a seven year span, I think it was, right? Explain it. Give us context. I you know, I'm gonna give people the cliff notes if I talk on it. I I just read the <laughs> comments. I mean not the comments, well, I just read the, the headlines. It's a lot though. So it's on. a problem. So it's a lot because it's tied into a bigger investigation. But these emails leaked what somehow. Is, where did this come from? Let's start there. So, why why is this a story? So there's a there's a ongoing investigation. By who? Based around the the Washington football team and their ownership and oh. uh, power structure down, right? So because of that, uh, John Gruden's uh, family, he had a brother that was a head coach over there, and they had ties to a GM that had hired him before in Oakland, and he was the head coach there. Or no, in Tampa Bay, right? And he was the head coach there. So because of those intertwined relationships, they're 
it's a stack of emails that comes out uh, between John Gruden and I believe the the GM uh, or president of the Washington football team while John Gruden was at ESPN, which is where the problem comes in. <laughs> like this, this is when he was at, this one after he was a coach. This is when he was yes, back on TV. This was after he was done Before with Tampa he was Bay. Doing the he's on commercials. <laughs> yeah, he's on TV. Monday Night Football, to be specific, uh, every week of the football season. And he's sending these emails with, uh, actually, let me get the dude's name, because it's best to be. It's best to know, just say factual. something on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's best not leave a, don't leave a right, track. Right, not, not leave uh, a paper, paper trail. Ignorant people are going to learn. I mean, Never, because uh, now we're just doing it in Instagram DMs, <laughs> and those are going to come out later. <laughs> but uh, he has said some stuff about uh, Jamar Smith back in 2011, who was like a lawyer for the, representing the, the Players Association, right. NFLPA. Uh, he said some things basically insulting his intelligence and along those lines. Said something about his lips that everybody uh or some people deemed racist. So they were he the size said, of two Michelin tires or something like that? Yeah, they uh, yeah, that is true. That is what he said. He said something about oh, this is where it got personal for me because he was talking about the Rams drafting uh what's his name? Michael Sam? Who was the first person to come out <clears throat> as gay, openly gay, uh, before he got drafted. And he said that the NFL pressured the Rams to take uh to draft Michael Sam. Uh, in two thousand seven he says some or two thousand seventeen he says something that insulted Roger Goodell. And this is where the story gets interesting for me, Justin. Because I feel like there was no movement to, on as far as like getting John Gruden out of here until that part of the email became public, or at least John Gruden, or at least Roger Goodell became aware of that part of the those part of the emails. You know what I mean? Because we knew yeah. for like a week that John Gruden had said some sexist, racist, homophobic stuff, but then when when the stuff came out that he had said something against uh, Roger Goodell, like. It was like during Monday Night Football. The next thing you heard was, "Oh yeah, Roger Goodell has resigned <laughs> from the uh, from the Las Vegas Raiders." For John and Gruden, who did I say? Roger Goodell. Yeah, John Gruden. It's a lot of names to keep up with here in this story. So he's no he's no longer going to be a coach. He is down. now. Yeah, as far as we as far as we that know, was fast. Yeah, he has stepped down from the Raiders, and they have a new. Interim coach, and he is jobless. Messing Just up everybody's quick. fantasy football <laughs> teams. Yeah, I mean it does. It does like though from the football side of things throws that whole division nah, this, into disarray. This does way more than just, bro. Let's let's just let's just be real, right? I don't know if you remember 
two or three years ago, Oakland was suing the Raiders because they broke, they breached their contract. Oh, bro, to yeah, bro, this is a web. This is a web series. Yes. Yeah, so I'm like, they, 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 this is not just a, a Raiders about to suffer thing. This was, cause like I always say, you know, we love the entertainment, but the NFL is still one company. You yes. know what I mean? So <laughs> the plan was to get them to Las Vegas, build a stadium there. Um, Vegas is benefiting from that, and then they're benefiting from the betting. Like we yeah. mentioned on a couple episodes ago, yeah, being on ground zero, a ten billion dollar industry in the future with this just online live game betting, all these different apps and stuff coming out, right? Bro, Not fantasy football, facts. but betting app. So now you got the 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 brand, the football team that's really supposed to be the flagship to kind of. Uh, I'm not saying it's vital, like the Raiders' success is vital for this all, you know, the NFL to succeed, but it's like yeah. they put a lot of money into the stadium. They're there um, for a reason. For relocate sure. a team and, and then bring a, a coach out of retirement mm-hmm. because it's like this has to work. We can't just trust he's anybody. He's the face of the he's the face of the Raiders being in Vegas for sure. And now this, this, these emails come out from this investigation about a totally different team. Yeah. That is in the midst of rebranding. Yeah. Kind of in purgatory right now, you know. Yeah. And now, now, the the coach. Now you got to find a whole new coach, and when that coach comes in, does he start a rebuild? Does he just have to pick up where like it's just? But like you said, bro, it's a web, bro. Because it's even I think it even ties in like you was talking about the Oakland, um, the Oakland versus the Raiders lawsuit. There's the St. Louis versus the Rams lawsuit going on as well. And it also ties in, like, unfortunately, Sean McVay, because Sean McVay comes from the from the coaching tree of the Gruden's. You know what I mean? So he's gonna be he's gonna be brought into this just by happenstance. So it's gonna be now he's gonna be looked at like, uh, how much did you know about? I mean, if you if you swore your whole career, you know, if you swore by these by this family, you know enough about these people to know that they were these type of people. You know what I mean? So it shouldn't come bro, no shock to you. Talk, bro, people talk behind closed doors. At the end of the day, when you're on your friends and family, you talk differently than what you do at your job. So, mm-hmm. all right, first of all, I'm just going to say this. I didn't go and read his total email, so I, I don't know everything he said. I went and looked at the picture of the guy that he was talking, that he, that he made oh, a comment God. about, okay? Oh, God. So I, I was <laughs> going to say, if a black person had said that about him, would people be offended if the black person said that about his appearance <laughs> or are we just offended because a white man said it you know what i mean I gotta, like you said i gotta see the context he said it into because i feel like it wasn't called for i, I would guess I mean, I would in a professional setting is not called yeah. for you don't talk like that in a professional <laughs> setting on a professional email if that was your work email that's where he messed yeah. up you send that in a text message um but i just want to be fair we we just got off this dave Chappelle thing you get what i mean mm-hmm. so i just want to kind of be fair because we we already know what we're dealing with, you know what I'm saying, in, in the structure of some of these systems that we have to, um, that we're, we're trying to evolve. I'm just going to say that evolve, yes. right? Um, so you know that it's working because action is, has been taken. Facts. The reason I wanted this to really be, include other things, like you mentioned Urban Meyer, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a totally different subject, right? That's not so much racism. Yes. That's uh, infidelity, no. I guess, right. to a certain extent. Morality right. or something, <laughs> whatever. So, um, did he I'm was he for has he been forced to step down or was it just like he got caught? Nah, like, how's I, that going? That one feels a little bit more like it's just an embarrassment type of thing. 
It's like how mean. much embarrassment does the uh the Jaguars want to take on with that? Because it's not like it's like yeah he did something, but what he did was disrespectful to his marriage and his wife. Like how much does that factor into whether he qualified for his job? Integrity, right? Representing yeah. a, a franchise, the integrity, yeah. your character. Do you love your wife? Yeah. Like, so it's like the- that's like a weird. That's like one of the weird. Things of like, do we touch that? Do we just laugh at it? Do we just make jokes about it? As the football players, as the being a part of the organization, like, how does that affect the culture? How does that affect morale over there? That's the kind of things you're looking at. But it's not like a cut and dry where it's like, with John Gruden, it was like, hey, we got to get him out of here because he's going to make the whole league look bad with if we keep him, if we keep him on after this kind of information comes out. You know what I mean? Where with Urban Meyer, it's just like, yeah, there were already questions whether he was qualified football-wise to be there. And yeah, he already had past things that uh, that got him fired from Ohio State in the first place, right? Ended his career there. Uh, and that now you just tack this on to that. And it's like, they hired him knowing he had done some stuff in the past. So this isn't new as far as, like, the type of person he is. I have uh, a comment then, okay? What's up? Um, when you think about the corporate structure of a company. You hear about all the time CEOs, you know, although they, they may take a while to move up, you hear like the CEO of Facebook will go, I mean, I'm not just saying this like factual, but CEO of Facebook will go become the CEO of Twitter and do something. You get what I mean though? Like yeah. stuff like that. That's how I feel about the NFL with some of these coach hirings. It's just like they have the resume because it's more than just coaching, right? You understand how... The, the NFL works. You understand the politics behind stuff. You understand certain expectations. I mean, I guess they didn't hold to them though with, with the behavior thing. But um, you under you just understand how the machine works versus bringing somebody in who may be qualified, but they they're good at coaching, but they don't understand how everything works all together yet. And you right. don't have time for the them to adjust to that. You need somebody who's tried, proven yep. in in the show, the entertain you know the TV for show sure. of what it and is. That's why John. Gr- that's why John Gruden was so big. Because he yeah. he was he was that, whether he was football X and O's the best, that's another question. But he was definitely born and bred NFL brotherhood type stuff. Perfect, Network. perfect. Style. Yeah, yeah. He's in there. So with all the stuff behind behind you know behind the scenes stuff, because I'm just being honest, bro. We we I don't know what I read the other day where it's just like. I was listening to an audiobook that was saying that it's really just you get caught or it's whether you get caught or not. That's exactly. all really and that's what, that's what that's what it was with Urban Meyer too. <laughs> You're everybody's doing it. You you get caught because if we go through every NFL coaches and every college football coaches emails, I'm sure we're gonna see a whole bunch of questionable um, activities, conversations to where we're gonna judge everyone's character, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, he just got caught and unfortunately. Um, well, I'm not gonna say unfortunately, you know, in that in that sense of like trying to downplay the, the situation or the topic. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just saying, unfortunately, the timing and the climate of that investigation. <sighs> I'm just wondering. Cause my thing is this: if we say, well, if we really care about racism and all that stuff, we need to investigate every email from every coach from every facts, facts. The past but 50 years. That's what I was about really, to say. Really what you're what you're getting into is the PR talk of it, right? It's like, yeah, what well, really, what well, the really, the real reason it was acted upon so fast was because it was a PR nightmare, you know, not because uh, it went against the NFL's values. 
but it was gonna be it's gonna be pretty hard to explain away that at the NFL, uh, what was going on there and keep him on staff. You know what I mean? And they didn't want to have to deal with that in the midst of everything they're trying to, like you said, maybe make changes within the organizations or at least change the the way people view them. They didn't want to have to have that as baggage, so it was easier to just. I guess when I when I saw that it was it was all tied to the uh, Washington football team thing, Ooh. it felt like a more like a scapegoat thing, you know, like John yeah. Gruden is going to be held as the poster ch- poster child scapegoat of this investigation, and that's kind of their hope for this, you know. Uh, so I would I would venture to guess that there's going to be a, more fallout from it, but this is going to be the tip of the iceberg, the big thing that everybody focuses on to say, see, we make the changes. Yeah. So I have a enough. question. I have a question then. Dang, it's, it's almost like all this stuff is, is connected from the first topic, which is crazy. Even mm-hmm. though it, you know, that, that community is different than the sports. It's like, we're all still human, right? Yeah. Um, there was one article I seen where they brought up the fact, and somebody in the comment sections actually, because they were talking about how Tampa Bay took down Gruden's, um, banner or whatever, right? Oh yeah, they took him out of the Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah. And then somebody said, "Yo, that's crazy that that they they took his down for this thing, but um, they're allowing to keep Warren Sapp's um banner in there, and he was, you know, he pled guilty for domestic assault on a woman or whatever, you know. Um, and then funny that we're talking about Tampa Bay because uh, I did want to uh, talk about Richard Sherman, them bringing on Richard Sherman to the right. team, and of course, you know, Richard Sherman had his his crazy breakdown this summer he and has off a, season. An outstanding uh domestic violence case right now, right? Yeah. So on TV, his first game back, they 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 um the the broadcasters talked about it. As you know, they, they like made sure to set aside time to mention he's on the team now. They mentioned what he went through over the summer. Uh they vouched for his character. You get what I mean? And, and yeah. said all these great things about him and even mentioned Tom Brady personally reached out to him and, you know, Tom vouched for his character. So if you love Tom Brady, then you can trust hey, him. Like, the Why PR Jesus thing, talk- you get what I mean? Why Jesus touches you. So my thing is, like you said, we we can make this big deal because you're caught and you, there's a lot of African-Americans that, that play for the NFL right now. But yeah. there aren't any women that play for the NFL. There aren't Facts. any women in huge positions and have, and in powerful the NFL positions, to right. where they can really influence the success if they say all the if all the women in the NFL say we're no longer gonna we're gonna boycott until y'all fix this or fire these people it's not going to affect the NFL These if facts. every uh, black athlete says fuck this shit I'm not playing for this coach you know what I mean yeah that's, it's gonna be a totally different type of I mean that's a lot of employees sitting yeah. out so yeah. we, we get it they, they have to pick and choose what that's why I keep saying what really, really matters, or is this just a let's say face, you know, situation? Yeah, right now it seemed like a PR decision. Are we like gonna PR care decision. about this a month from now? Probably not, because something else crazy gonna happen. Uh, the world's how fast. That's, that's just how stuff moves nowadays. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's uh, so many things that's being reported. I want to get into the fun side of football though, because week five, bro. We, we we're through week five, right? And uh. My question to you is this, bro. Okay. What are your top four NFC teams right now? And what are your top five AFC teams right now? Or no, top four AFC teams right now. I'm going to start with AFC. Bills, 
Ravens, Chargers, and then I really want to say this, it, this might be it might be dumb me saying do this, it. I'm gonna say the Bengals. Oh, it's not where I thought you was going. Good. Yeah, Joe Burrow. I got the Browns there, but go ahead. Uh, the Browns are just, they got to stay healthy for me. That's, that's my only thing. And, and um, You see something with Joe Burrow? You watched their last, you know, this game on Sunday. Well, I, I didn't like get about, Well, it. here's the thing. The reason I say Joe Burrow is this. The Browns, for the past two or three years, they've been that team of, you're shitty, now you're good, but you have to prove that you can stay good and not just go back to being, you know, a terrible franchise again after a couple of years, right? Yeah. But the Bengals are now at that stage of we're not uh we're not the worst team. We're not at the bottom of the division. And we right. can compete with the Ravens. We can compete with the Browns and we can compete with the Steelers. Which is crazy. That's but Joe Burrow, bro, this is technically still his rookie year in my mind. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um but when I look at him, I just don't look at him as a rookie. I don't know what it is no. about, you know what I'm saying? Maybe it's his his um how comfortable he is with uh his his wide receiver that they played in college together, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh yeah, they do seems, have a good chemistry. They do. Yeah, they do make He just seems like I'm not waiting for him to develop and get better until they can get good. Okay, I'm with you. I feel there. like so he you, can de- kind of like how Herbert is. You know so what I mean? Say, like Herbert. Would you say come down to for for the Browns and Bengals at least? Would you say it comes down to you trust Joe Burrow more than you trust Baker Mayfield? Yeah, like Baker that's, is that's like pretty he's much. good, but he's he's that to me he's that quarterback that can win, lead the team to a win, or he can lead the team to a loss. Right. You know, he has to work. He has to work with his receivers. When Odell and him were struggling for the first the last two years, for me, I was like, okay, maybe year one is Odell, but at year two when we had more evidence, it was like, okay, Baker isn't putting Odell in the best position to Facts. to make these catches and to, you know, succeed as a wide receiver to what his strengths are. You know, Baker to me was the issue. This year I haven't watched a lot of Browns games. Um Same. but I just based off of the last two, you know what I'm saying? I'm just yeah. I'm just gonna say this. To me, you got a team that's coming up, starting to believe in themselves. They're going to have that hunger to yeah. fight harder in certain situations okay. than, the, than these teams that are like, uh, we can beat y'all. We're going to sleep. You know, we're sleeping on y'all. I like that. I like that. I like those picks. Those, I, I agree with the first three you said. I think uh, Amar just keeps on proving that he's cold as fuck. Yeah. Uh, even, even with the, uh, the, the lack of receiving talent that they give him to work with. Like, the tight end is, is really nice, but... And Hollywood Brown seems like a really good second or third option, but since he's a his primary, that's pretty tough to work with. And he's making it work. And not to mention all the injuries the Ravens are dealing with right now. Man. So give Jeez. I give I give them kudos and until proven different, I put them in the top four of the AFC two. Uh the Bills are doing their thing. I knew going into that Bills versus Chiefs game that we just had, uh, that the defense was gonna be the difference and I know that the Chiefs have just proven so far that that defense is just not ready, you know, and their offense is just is not good enough to overcome that that bad of a defense, especially when you're going up against these other top AFC defenses. You know, right. They met the, they meet the Bills, who are a, a very good AFC defense. They have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and company. 
doing anything on offense. So that was just a mismatch from the jump, and it proved to be. Uh, and then the Chargers are like, they just keep on like passing every test week by week, you know. Uh, they just got into a shootout this week. I need to go back and watch that Browns versus Chargers game, you know, coming out on top of that. So I like That's them. lovely, right? That's lovely. That's what you want to see in the playoffs. Yeah, you want to see, well, at least just for the Chargers, what they put on film so far, you've seen them win all kinds of ways, you know. And even the loss they had was to the Cowboys, who when we get to the NFC side, we might talk about them as a top four NFC team as well. So that's not like a shameful loss, you know what I mean? Uh, but, I mean, yeah, who do, who do you have as your top four NFC teams? Um, I'm going to say I have the Cardinals because they're okay. undefeated. I gotta respect yeah, them. Gotta put them there. And it's not a they're just undefeated because of their you know record. I mean because of their schedule. Like they're just playing like a you know a good team, an elite team this year. Um, of course, I'm gonna. It's crazy, bro. Like we're just limited to four. Um, Packers, you know. Okay. I just feel like I said it. I can't remember if I said it or not, but I feel like that one game was just so. New Orleans was going through, they, they were going through the hurricane. I feel like it was that thing. They just had a lot of to fight for that day. It's a weird you know, they Sunday. had a lot they were going yeah. through. Yeah. Um, and they, they just took it out on the Packers that day. <laughs> because the, the Packers have won since then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers yeah, is being Aaron Rodgers again. Yes. Um, and <sighs> Buccaneers are just looking unstoppable. But the thing is, their, their strength of schedule you know what I mean? Oh, easy schedule. Yeah, that's Such what I'm saying. Schedule. They're not coming out of the top four for the rest of the year. Yeah, bro. So it's it's hard for me to 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 rank them. Uh, I got to put the Packers, the Rams easily, the Cardinals, and then like you mentioned, I like the Cowboys. Um, wait, wait, Cowboys, wait, you said five teams so far. No, yeah. I, I put the I put the um I put the Buccaneers as five. They their schedule to me doesn't really prove. Oh, got you. So they're not. You know what I mean? They they've okay. had a. a they beating up, you know, Patriots, Dolphins. Yeah. Um, even the Cowboys game, the Cowboys made a lot of mistakes. Oh, for sure. You know, to, to lose that game. And then, I mean, they okay. beat the Falcons. Like, come on, bro. Like, they yeah. haven't really been challenged. And then they got the Eagles, the Bears, the Saints. Like, Easy ass nobody's going to challenge them this year. I agree with you. So, you so, so you say you got Cardinals, Cowboys, Rams, and Packers as your four. Yeah. Top four. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a good strong four. I wanted to put the Saints in there so bad, but they just keep on disappointing me every every chance they get. You they know, need they consistency. Lost. Yeah, they need consistency, right? Exactly. And I feel like they're built to be a top four team in the NFC, uh, but something just isn't clicking there. And so, because of the evidence that we have so far, I would agree with you. Rams are going to be there. Aaron Rodgers is going to have his team there. Cardinals are going to be there. And the Cowboys, they just look like a very strong team. Like, I don't want to put the Cowboys there because I just have this inner this in, this this inner feeling about them that they're always gonna be turn out to be frauds. And maybe it's just for me watching the Tony Romo year and seeing them do it over and over again. But yeah. I just feel like eventually they're gonna expose themselves to be the frauds that they really are. And so I, I hesitate to put them in the top four. But the the body work they put on on the field so far, like they deserve to be considered that so far. 
bro. Let's say this, okay? As an org- from organizational standpoint, or organizational standpoint. Last year, you lose your your quarterback, your star quarterback. You don't know, you know, you don't know how severe that injury really is. You know, he's back. I'm not gonna say better than what he's been. He's he's just back into his rhythm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, Dak looks great. Um, other people on the team have to stay healthy though. You know, Cooper's been hurt. Yeah. You know? So that's that's gonna be the factor, but that's what every team injuries. Yes. I mean, the Chiefs are are in a bad position right now, injury wise. They they lost they they started running back. Uh, I heard I read Kelsey and Hill mm-hmm. are struggling with some things now. So Patrick Mahomes is really gonna have to prove he can overcome this Madden curse since he wanted to play with fire and get on there <laughs> twice. Right, he with the different. goat, it's Tom Brady. Yeah, how dare he? So, but Tom Brady knew what his schedule was like. He knew the Madden. Curse didn't matter. He knew. I have a but, question. Go ahead. How did the Bucks get that easy of a schedule? Because I feel like, okay, so maybe because they didn't win the division. Maybe that's the reason. But it's just the it's supposed to be based on it's based on the season that you had before and based on your record. They're supposed to, if you had a better record, you're supposed to have a tougher strength of schedule. But it's a rotation too. Like you're not gonna be able to play the same teams. It's a rotation. So think about it this way. You mentioned the Saints, right? Yeah. Saints are going to play the same non-division, not the exact same, but they're going to play similar non-division uh, teams that the yeah. Bucks are playing. So if we're going to say the Bucks have an easy schedule, I have to say the Saints have just just as much opportunity. Right, you get what I mean? Yeah. To, to still make a playoff run if they can get get everything together, and and it's a healthy thing, and people stay healthy. You know, um, I put it like this then, because I do still feel like the Bucks are a top four team in the NFC. Regardless their defense the is at risk, was... dude. They brought in Richard oh, Sherman for granted. That is, that is true. Their, their secondary is what keeps them out of the top four. That's a good point. Because their front seven is nice, but their secondary is very shaky. And you 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 at least have confidence in the Cowboys, Chargers, Cardinals, and Pack. Well, not not so much the Packers defense. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think that's that's I one thing. When Aaron Rodgers can throw the ball the way he. Does you just gotta? That's why he only has one ring because they've been playing defense like this for ten years. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's the um, that's the top four I have in the NFC as well too. I would agree with you there. Can't I just can't get over how stacked they offense is though. The Buccaneers. Like, yeah, they they have they're gonna, they gonna put up numbers on everybody, so it's only gonna matter so much and against so many different teams, you know. So we have some um some interesting matchups for this week. We can talk about I'll talk about some things that probably stand out because okay. um this is a good example right here. The Eagles play the Buccaneers tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't followed the Eagles closely. You know, I can't name more than maybe two people on the team, but um I feel like the Eagles, you know, like just how Dallas competed with them, I think the Eagles can compete. You know. I don't know who's injured or not on the Eagles. I just feel like they're a team that can compete with the Bucks if they do what Miami did and just attack the secondary. You know, you can't mm-hmm. run the ball against the Buccaneers. You just can't. You can't. You can't. It is what it is. Accept it and don't do it. Tony Romo said it <laughs> during the game. He was like, "Don't, don't run the ball. Just no don't point. even try. You gotta uh, just use two quarterbacks so the quarterbacks' arms don't get tired. Do that. <laughs> but um, Chargers versus Ravens. It's gonna be a great game. <laughs> 
Griffin. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be another shootout. Because um, the Ravens' defense has not shown any ability to stop anybody so far. They got to get it together. Yeah. Um, you have the Cardinals versus the Browns. That's going to be really good. So, we'll see. Um, What else? Eh. Bills versus Titans, we'll see. I mean, I expect the Bills to win that one. So, we'll see. Me too. Titans, Titans aren't so healthy, far. bro. They got two injured, you know, injured uh, receivers. receivers. I don't know the status yeah. on their receivers, but you know, sounds, yeah, well, sounds talent, like it's going to be field. out a while because the uh, hamstring. It's not easy to come yeah. back from. But yeah, those are the those are the games. Um, are those you guys, are the games you're going to learn the most from this week. Are you guys off? Most. You got a bye week? Nah, we got the Giants. So yeah, basically, my bad. No disrespect. That's a week ago. Yeah, we got the Giants. So basically, that's a bye easy week money. for us. Yeah, the next three weeks easy. for us should be, should be, easy W's, respectfully. You know what I mean? Because it's the NFL. Chris, we did not say, and uh, I just want to point this out: the Broncos are three and two. What about it? So we were talking about the AFC. Broncos are yeah. three and two right now. We're all everybody's hyped about the Chargers. Um, we don't expect, uh, we don't know what the Chiefs are going to be able to bounce back or not, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying the Broncos have a winning record right now. I know it's only five games in, yeah. but the, the Broncos are three and two. They're about to play the the Raiders. I expect We're them to win. Um, I wouldn't necessarily chalk it up. Man, the Raiders are struggling, bro. I, I got a couple of guys on, on, from the Raiders on my fantasy there. Right. I, I got to be honest, there, there's a push, there's an agenda to push them to be successful because the NFL needs them to be successful because the money that's been invested. I saw somebody them. mention this, and I want to throw this throw this theory out to you. Go ahead. Last, last week when the Raiders played the Bears, it was in the midst of the news had just come out with the emails. So that had to play a part in morale and how people were trying. Now that, that he's out of here, usually like when teams fire a coach, and this is what just in normal circumstances, when a team fires a coach, there's like a, a natural boost that comes from the next week because everybody, all the players come together and say, we got to prove we weren't the problem type of thing, right? I think there could be a post-coach firing boost for the Raiders too. That we could, we could, we could, uh, maybe, maybe, but I'll say this too. This is a division game. If it was a non-division nah. game, yeah, maybe, but this is a division game. So <laughs> that's true. Um, the Broncos are. I just, I'm just saying, bro. The Broncos are playing for something. They're not just playing to exist. They're playing yeah, to say, "Look, we we're not about to be ignored and forgotten about. We can compete too." But the Broncos lost to the Steelers last week too, and we we know how to how we feel about the Steelers. Like the Steelers' defense is great, but like Juju Juju just got hurt, and they're not they're they're going the wrong way. So like the Broncos should have won that game. Maybe I'm overhyping them, in, bro. You know, I, I haven't and, been the, that, and I only say this because I was. Preseason, I was high on the Broncos, like I was high on the Titans, not as high as I was on the Titans, but Broncos, at least I I expected their defense to be solid, their offense to be feasible, but they're dealing with injuries as well uh, to their receivers. Uh, their schedule is easy, bro. They If they can, they got a lot of games that they can win. I see. For the Broncos? The Broncos? Yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or Sunday with the Raiders. They got the Browns. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, After that, Cowboys, I would say they, they're probably going to lose to the Cowboys. So they're probably going to lose to the Chargers. I don't know if, what's going to happen with the Eagles. When does it get easy? <laughs> they play the Chiefs twice, but we don't know what type of Chiefs is going to show up. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And they play the Chargers twice. 
I'm just saying though, with 17 games, I'm looking at these schedules like I'm just looking at it a whole different way. Like you it's possible for the Broncos, them. you know what I'm saying, to salvage a decent season depending on how the Chiefs perform. Chiefs yeah. are at the bottom of the division, and like you mentioned, their their defense just doesn't look good enough. No. To keep them alive in some of these it's contests. Easily the worst defense in the division. So you got you got to start from there with them. Uh, but yeah, I like all those all those all those uh, games you named because those are the games I feel like we're gonna learn the most from going forward. Because like that's what we're trying to do right now so far is just gather data on what's true about what we felt preseason and what's not true. And so far, the Titans have been my biggest disappointment. Okay. Uh, and actually, well, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And let me take one more. The Cardinals have been my biggest surprise because I expected them to be the fourth best team in our division. Even though I expected mm. them to have a winning season, I expected everybody in our division to make the playoffs. I did not expect them to be the top team through five weeks. So, shout out to the Cardinals. Uh, and go Browns this week. Too much longer, but oh yeah, bro. NBA man, we finally get a chance to talk about the Philadelphia situation, man. I wanted to talk talk about this for a while, just because it was just so weird. But we finally got some something changed in the situation with the Ben Simmons saga of last year in the playoffs. He didn't want to shoot. And Trey Young had him under the goal. He's too scared Trey Young was going to block a shot on a layup, so he passed the ball. And the Philly goes on to lose the game, and everybody blames Ben Simmons for the loss in Game 7. And so throughout the whole offseason, it's been the whole Ben Simmons is not going to show up to the team because he didn't like how that was handled. Ben yeah. Simmons wants to be traded. Ben Simmons wants to be traded to California only. Uh, ben Simmons is, is uh, willing to sit out the whole season per his agent, Rich Paul, and lose out on all that money that that would come with that. Well, the Philadelphia 76ers called his bluff, and the preseason's about about to be over, and Ben Simmons has reported to the team. Mm. He has now joined the team after all this hoopla that he put on and all this sending his teammates away when they was coming out to talk to him, saying, nah, don't even pull up to my house. I changed my Dang. address. Dang. Like, all of this stuff that he did, and he's pulled up to the team now. How awkward must that be? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to come of this. I think this is where you really test your professionalism of, the, of, the, of being a professional basketball player. Because... A lot of pettiness happened throughout this whole, uh, this whole time of them figuring out how they was gonna handle it. You know, uh, there was there was stuff that Embiid said that kind of made it sound like uh the door was closed for this team to even get back together like that. You know, so now they have to deal with that. Mm. And I don't know. The weird part about it is, bro, if they really just come back together and play, they could be the best team in the East. <laughs> like, so if they figure if they find a way to figure this shit out and then go win a championship, this would be the craziest thirty for thirty 
in a while. But as it stands, it just pulled up. He just pulled up, and we're just going to see how how that looks to start the season. I'm excited because the season starts in like seven days. So I don't know. What, what have you seen so far? I don't, you know, I don't pay too much attention to the NBA. Right. I start watching that once the NFL is over, you know. Right. But um, I just, you know, seen seen things to the to the extent of nobody was really, they didn't have any trade leverage as far as the franchise no. trying to, you know, nobody wants to take on his contract. So what do you really have to offer? Um, so you gotta see it through. You gotta stick. You gotta stick by your man. Stick by his side and see it through. And yeah. Uh, they didn't buckle the either because they. I think a lot of people, a lot of teams offered them trades that were under value of what Ben Simmons is because Ben Simmons is still a, a top player in the league, you know, regardless of the fact that he don't want to shoot a three pointer or a free throw. Uh, like his trade value is still like at a certain level of where they the Philadelphia decided we didn't want to just give him up for nothing for less than what he would be worth on a normal day. You know what I mean? So. so Portland, they wanted to do a deal with Portland for CJ McCollum and like six draft picks. Mm-hmm. And Portland, Portland was like, nah. But Philly was like, well, we're not taking, we're not taking the trade for anything less than that. So you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, you're right. They 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 stood their ground as far as that goes, and now they they get to see what happens with it. And like I said, Philly's amongst the top teams. The other teams I'm looking at. The Nets are do, going through their thing. Is uh, Atlanta man? I think it's their time to just step in and enter their enter their Warrior Dynasty years. This is their this is their chance. This is their this is their timetable. The clock has officially started for the championship window. Last year, they was a little bit ahead of schedule. Like it was an accomplishment just to make the playoffs. And they yeah. ended up making it to the Eastern Conference Finals and, and being one game away from making the finals, you know? Yeah. Uh, so they were already ahead of schedule as far as that go. But now they're back healthy. Trey signed a max. Uh, airplane mode, John Collins has signed his max. Capella has signed his extension to stay with the team throughout the duration of Trey Young and John Collins' contract. Uh, you got Bogey, you got Herder, you got Cam Reddish, you got DeAndre Hunter, you got depth. That a lot of teams can't talk about in the East. Have a question. What's up? So in the playoffs, one <clears> thing <throat> I noticed was the absence of certain players, you know, mm-hmm. due to health. Was that addressed? If Herder, no, Herder's, he's suede, right? He's the suede shoes. He's red velvet, yeah. Hunter. Hunter's the, de- the defense. DeAndre Hunter. Hurt. Exactly. He's hurt, right? He's yeah. hurt a lot. Or often, yeah. I say. And then who else was Reddish? He was Cam Reddish. Was, Cam Reddish was hurt throughout the entire playoffs okay. until the until so the very end. He pulled up did they address game. if these two are not on the court? We have do they have someone of value that can step in, or is it going to be the same story as last year? Well, here's the thing. Their depth is what got them through that moment. Actually, you know, uh, not having Hunter, Hunter was a big deal, but they had. Herder to step in into to Hunter's spot, right? So now if when Hunter comes back healthy, Herder goes back to the bench, and you got that ten man depth with Lou Will, Herder, Cam Reddish, uh, Gallinari, and uh, I think Okoro, their backup center, right? So you got a full 
platoon behind your starting five, right? So that's the best way you, I can think of to address it. It's not. It's nothing else they can really do, you know, to address the depth that they have because they have the depth. It's just a matter, like you said, of staying healthy, keeping it together. And if they stay healthy, I don't think any any Eastern team has the depth to fuck with them. Uh, there are teams with more talent, but like I said, Philly and and Brooklyn were fully healthy. You gonna you gonna look at them and say they're more talented. And even another team I want to bring into the conversation is Miami. With uh, they just got Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker to add to their team of Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, the shooter. Bam Adebayo, the center, Tyler Hero off the bench, uh, so on and so forth. Right, that's a pretty, that's a tough squad to have right there. Defensively, that's gonna be a tough squad in the playoffs to meet. And they was just in the finals two years ago, so, well, not even two years ago, a year ago, two seasons ago. So that's Chris, one team you gonna have to mess with too. What about what about Chicago? What about them? Bro, I think they look ugly, man. <laughs> I think uh. Like, I was saying all last year the Bulls need to go get Lonzo Ball. So I thought that was perfect. But then they went yeah. and got DeRozan. And DeRozan is talented and stuff. But, like, he just make he just throw off, like, just something about him, bro. When I see them all together, they just don't look good together. They don't look like they're fit. They don't look like they supposed to be on the same team together. DeRozan Are you saying, like, just when you see them play together or just standing together? Nah, together? I just saw a picture of them and, and like, oh, my basketball. Like, nah, well, here's sport. the thing. My basketball, no, my basketball mind. Was like I don't like the way they look together. You know what I mean? When I saw, cause like they got Vucevic, who's a great center, great scoring center. Not many centers can fuck with his scoring ability, but he's yeah. not a great defender, right? So that's one thing you got to address. So the best thing they have to deal with that is they drafted a rookie last year who's a power forward, who's kind of like Kawhi like defensively, so he could kind of cover for that. But then you got DeRozan, Levine, and Lonzo Ball, and as far as Levine and DeRozan go, they kind of just do the same thing. So they're kind of redundant. And that's why I, that's what I mean when I say they're ugly. You know what I mean? I say I say they're ugly as a joke, but they're redundant, those two. Like, I really fuck with, Zach Le- I fuck with Zach Levine, but I feel like DeRozan, what he's going to bring to the table, they're going to overlap. And it's like, I don't know if that's going to fit. I fuck with Lonzo because he fixed his shot, and he's a great three-point shooter now. And he already has the great defense. And great point point guard skills to go with it. So I fuck with that part. They got Alex Caruso from the Lakers who is white Jordan. So he came home and he's in his proper space. But I don't know, man. No, I don't I don't look at them as a serious contender. Okay. Yeah, I I, I would I take Washington I take the Washington Wizards more serious than I take uh Chicago Bulls, you know what I mean? I okay. take them more serious. Let's get to it. The Bucks it's it's theirs to I feel like bro, they in such a good good place, right? They won, they got that monkey off their back, and now they they don't have anything to prove. Bro, you can't you can't like, use that yeah, terminology no more. Oh, my bad, my bad. We'll edit that out. They got that they got that uh championship ring off their back, right? Is that how they edit it? <laughs> and Giannis I don't he don't have nothing to prove and he has his mindset. He was talking about uh Somebody was like asking him if he thinks he's the best player in the world now, right? And he was like, he's like, nah, I don't, I don't think of myself as that. He started naming off Kawhi, Kevin Durant, LeBron, Kyrie, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, and stuff. He's like, he's like, I feel like I'm still chasing them to be the best. 
And so just to hear him say that, bro, like his mindset is just immaculate, man. To have that guy as your leader and your best player, for sure. You know what I mean? Somebody that like where Kevin Durant, I remember when his his glory years in OKC, he was over here complaining about people telling him he was number two and crying about it, right? Well, like, Giannis is out here like, nah, Kevin Durant is better than me. I'm still chasing him. <laughs> and that's that's my goal. That's what I'm that's what I have in mind when I'm training in the offseason. Like, that's scary, bro. So the Bucks. <sighs> Bucks are not to be played with, bro. They're gonna be dangerous this year. Okay. And that's all I that's all I, I mean, there's nothing much, much to say about that, you know what I mean? They've proven. Yeah. They've done the the, the hard Heavy work, so I take them serious. But who who is there to to dethrone them? I say four teams have a chance, and that's Brooklyn, Philly, Atlanta, and Miami. Those are my four teams that I have a chance have a chance to dethrone Milwaukee out east. And I'll leave it at that. First here, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I shall see. So many as I'll you know. There's so many factors that's going to go into these seasons that we, we can't predict, you know, yeah. what will happen, what type of trades will take place. Um, but I guess my next question is, um, this is just me personally. Right. Um, I knew, I knew when the Lakers won, I, I just knew before the season even started that they were going to win that championship. Right. The script. But is this year, is this year a scripted, Lakers are going to be just a done deal in cement. Lakers are going to be in the finals. There's no way they're not going to be in the finals. That's a perfect tee up, actually, to talk about who in the West is a threat to to stop them, right? Because I think that's the more interesting conversation here. Because I don't think that the Lakers are shooing like that. It doesn't feel like that to me, at least. You know what I mean? There's no storyline, perfect storyline for them. And come to think of it, I, I don't really have any anybody that fits that, that narrative right now in my head, you know? In the West? Uh, who, who is, yeah, in, on, in, on either side, who's the perfect storyline, right? But I do know that team-wise, when I look at the teams, like the Jazz look serious to me. The Suns, they fixed their problems that they had. They got a backup center with JaVale McGee. They have Landry Shamit from the Nets to back up Devin Booker now. Campaign is a legit backup point guard to Chris Paul. Uh, Cameron Johnson and they just have depth at every position, right? They're like the Atlanta yeah. Hawks of the West in that way. They're like, they just are too deep at every position and you trust them all. This is a team that was already in the finals. So they, exactly. they got better. Exactly. exactly. That's crazy. They yes. whooping Portland's butt right now. I looked at the score. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know it's just preseason. Yeah, but still. And Devin Booker ain't even playing, I don't think. I think he's now nah, he playing. Nurse. He Chris is playing? Paul is, okay, yeah, good. Chris Paul is good, playing. Good, good, good. Somebody told me he's nursing injury. So good, he's healthy. I'm glad he's healthy. So I want to see him step into his blessing that he, he earned last year by being in the finals, right? Uh, But like I said, the Jazz I take serious. They was number one last year. Donovan Mitchell, I respect that dude. You know what I mean? Uh, the only problem I have with them, and I was talking to somebody, I was talking to a jazz fan about this actually when I was in California, is I just don't think that 
Gobert, as much as I respect Gobert, I don't think he's the center for Donovan Mitchell, you know? And I think that's always going to be their Achilles heel at the end of the day. I think they need to go get Jokic or Donovan Mitchell needs to go play with Jokic type of thing. Uh, so I, that's the only thing I could see holding the Jazz back from taking the West. Uh, the other teams I take serious out there are the Golden State Warriors, who I feel like everybody is just underselling how good they really about to be. Uh, Clay is still trying to get healthy back from his injury, you know? And Goodness, I think the, ti- the, ti- the timetable is like Christmas for him, you know? Yeah. But he was suited up in his uh in his warm-up gear uh, last preseason, preseason game yesterday, right? And they was talking about, it, like, yeah, he's ahead of schedule. Like, if it was up to him, he would be out there right now. But, like, scientifically and from the doctors, it's just not smart to rush him out there, right? But, like, so when Clay get out there, that team is fully going, and no telling what trades they're gonna make or whatever moves they're gonna make. I take that team serious too. Mm-hmm. So, outside of that, I think those are my three main teams that I would say the Lakers are probably worried about. Uh, yeah, that's the only ones I could think of right now. Oh, Denver too. Denver too. So Dallas Don't, is not gonna do nothing. They're not, I don't like the way their team is built. Nah. Mm-hmm. Nah. They don't have depth. They don't have a properly built team around Luka Doncic's skill set like that yet. They'll overachieve, but they'll, they won't be a threat to the to the other ones I named. Like, but like I said, Denver, Jokic has shown he can carry that team even with Jamal Murray out. And hopefully when Jamal Murray gets back, we can see them really as a serious participant in this conversation. You know? Yeah. So I'll, I'll throw them in there too. Uh. You know, we, we always like to give the the celebrities of the league their shine. Um, which, you know, it's, it just makes life easier for, for us as spectators to report on the people that everybody is familiar with. But oh for sure. What um what team, you know, that was kinda at the bottom of the league last year, and maybe this is something, you know, we don't even have to discuss this, but maybe next time we, we discuss you know what team was was at the bottom of the league last year that you feel like is gonna be a surprise? Ooh, you know what I mean. I like that question. Come up type of team because, um, you know the Hornets. Um, I don't know. I haven't paid attention to the Pelicans. I know Zion really, you know, had a great season last year. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he probably wasn't getting the coverage. Um, that one of the Ball brothers stole from him. But uh, I got it. I got a team for you. I'm ready. Okay. Well, you want to talk about it now? Or you want to? You want to wait till? Yeah. No. Yeah. We can go and knock this out right now because this is this a preseason. It. This is a preseason preview, and I like that question. It fits in what we're talking about right now, uh, because the team I'm, I have my eye on is very interesting. Is the Minnesota Timberwolves because they have all the talent. They had the number one draft pick from last year, Anthony Edwards. They got Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, etc. They just have always had the worst luck with injuries and maybe bad coaching or whatever it might be. But if they can find a way to put it together, they can be interesting enough to make the playoffs at least, right? Yeah. Not saying they're going to join the the contender name list, but they could make the playoffs and maybe surprise some people. Just because they are super talented players that they have there. You know what I mean? Carl Anthony Towns is a top five center. Angela Russell can get a bucket anytime he wants. Anthony Edwards is a very interesting prospect. You don't know exactly what he is yet, but you know he's something, you know? And so 
that's one team one team that was trash last year. That I'm like, hey, they could be they could get it together this year. Okay. Uh, as far as the Hornets, I like you mentioned the Hornets. I think uh they're gonna be super fun to watch this year. You think Oboy like will keep year. his mind straight with everything he's been dealing with in the offseason? Listen, man, <laughs> I think uh <laughs> Michael Jordan gonna have to have that conversation with him. And I think <laughs> I think you you know you 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 keep you keep uh your personal life separate from your business life for sure, exactly. and you come out and do your work. Or if you don't if you don't get it together, it's not like he's not expendable. You know he's not he's not that important to the to the uh, development yeah, of this team. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, if, if he uh if he fall off that bad, you know, go get ready. Yet. But you know that team is gonna be hella fun to watch. I think just like last year, uh they just got so many fun players. Like they just. I don't know. They and they all fit together in a weird way. In a weird way, you know. Yeah. Uh, the the Zion's, the Pelicans. I'm not so high on. I think that's a ugly, uglyly built team around Zion. I don't have high hopes for them. I don't think they have a clear direction as far as what they want to do for their team. Yeah. And so, nah. I'm more excited about Memphis. Than the Pelicans. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Memphis, actually. That's almost a perfect segue for the next topic that I kind of wanted to make sure we covered. Okay. Um, I sent you this video, and it, it really gave me the idea. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put together <laughs> a little segment. Um, yeah. Maybe it could be like a cutaway where we can kind of minimize our screens and play the video. We'll find some way to do yeah, it we'll that way. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So I'm going to put together a segment, maybe even next Whatever it is, the next episode. Um, because we love music. I'm a musician. Chris is a musician. He sings. Our family is musical. Um, Dustin plays guitar. It's a part of who we amazingly. are. And um, I've really grown a, an appreciation for past music of the past. Um, because even when we heard music back then, we didn't hear it in 4K, surround audio, earbuds, like the the quality that we can listen to music to now. We wasn't getting that quality back in the day, you know what I mean? Like when you heard, when you watched a Thriller on TV, you heard it through your TV speakers. If you had, you know, a CD player or something like that, right. we had them little flat CD, them headphones. Remember? Right. Like, I'm just saying, bro. Like <laughs> we can enjoy music so like it's a different experience now. It's a better it experience. Is. So when I hear music, and then when they remaster old music for digital, you know what I mean? You Something just else. hear stuff. You just hear stuff. So, um. I just want to, you know, focus and, and dedicate time to the stuff I experience. You know, my new experiences with old music. Ah. So um, there was this video I seen on Instagram. I follow this guy. He's a dancer from Korea, and and what I mean by Korea, like even in his comments when he posts things, it's, it's in Korean, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he really. Oh shoot, my computer about to die. <laughs> He really loves. He really loves uh, Memphis music, and he loves the juke. How they, you know, their dance style. Yeah, like he loves it. You could tell he loves everything about it. Um, he's he's putting his friends on, you Super know. Dope. But it's 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 like he lives it. You know what I mean? As far yeah. as the dance style of it. Um. So he had posted a video on his channel today, and I was just taken by surprise by this video. Yeah. Um. Because it's you know it's, it's in some it's in the neighborhood these these young black kids, um 
they could be gang members, they could not. You just don't know, you know. <laughs> but they're teenagers. It's graffiti yeah. on the back, you know. They're, they're they're in this, you know, apartment project, whatever. And they're dancing. And later, when I did my research, they were actually creating like a music video for the songs to this local legend. And that's what I'm gonna. I'm talking about it right now, but I'm actually gonna try to share it so people can see it. But yeah. I just want to talk about my reaction to it as a black person, yeah. right? Yeah. I was like, yo, I don't think, I don't know if he really understands what's happening or what's taking place in this video. I don't know if he speaks English and knows what they're saying in the song. You get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool that they could appreciate the culture. Even though this aspect of the culture was was kind of violent, <laughs> yeah, um, disrespectful, especially yeah. to, to women in the song. Um, it was it's pretty that. terrible, and it makes us look terrible as Americans, not just yeah. black people. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and even the dancing that they were doing wasn't really any wasn't no Marion dance moves. It was, but it was their culture. It was a it group was of kids, yeah, enjoying a song that they liked and and mm-hmm. doing something in it that he felt the need that he wanted to post it. And then when I looked it up, it was like people in the comments was like on YouTube they were talking about like not that the the guy that posted it, but the person that posted the video on YouTube, they were talking about, dang, it's crazy that it's 2020 and this is on the, is on YouTube right now. Like, we made it, you know? Because yeah. it's just, you know, whatever. The guy was a local celebrity. You know what I mean? Did, did you know when, when that video was from? Like, what time? It's what old. Year? It's definitely old. Yeah, like, um, like uh, mid-2000s, seven-ish, five-ish. Probably, yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely was old. I don't even know if the guy that performed the song is alive. You know, when they talk about right. the person, like, you can tell maybe he right. passed maybe away. And, passed you know on. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but he was, you know, local. But Memphis, man, it's it's, it's yeah. crazy that that culture has, has found its way. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you, when I was listening to the song, I was like, man, 3-6 Mafia Legacy. That's what it sounded like. It sounded like a 3-6 yeah, like Mafia, area, Juicy you know? J. Yeah. Yeah, bro. It's that area. Um... Frank ain't dead. And, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's a music thing because you know damn well that that kid, as much as he likes that culture, he is not going to come over to America and walk in around that neighborhood. Oh, no. Nah. Nah. You know what I mean? Nah. I would hope he wouldn't for his safety, you know what I'm saying, for his safety or whatever. But um, there's, as as crazy as things can look, there's still some type of attraction to it. You don't want to live that lifestyle. You don't want to be it. But something about it makes you like it. You know what I mean? Man, yeah. It's the energy, man. It's the energy of the human experience I guess passed on through that video, right? It's like, man, I wish we had that kind of energy and we we could recreate this around where I'm at. That's what you was getting at. You was talking about he shares it with his friends because he's trying to tell them, yo, this is the energy I want here. I want to bring here. For sure, because I'm telling you, bro, if you you share that over there, y'all are just going to think like, you ain't never really been around black people before, and this is your um, impression right. on what you know black people in America or black kids in America is. You know, it's probably not the best um, first impression, I guess. But yeah. like I said, outside of that, they weren't. I don't think they were focusing on the lyrics or you know anything. I think they were just nah. focusing on, like you said, that energy and the dancing oh, and sure. them enjoying the song as friends, as kids, for sure, or whatever. Um, even that little kid dancing to it. I was like, that's sad. It's so much going, it's so much symbolism in this video right now that we can talk about yeah. American, you know, experiences. But still even staying on Memphis, man. Um, I listened, I finally listened to some of Drake's album. 
Okay. Because um, I was always like, okay, I remember seeing some meme or something about uh, Kawhi dancing um, uh-huh. on a desert. So I finally watched the video, and just my personal um, impression, I just felt like it was safe. Yeah. I think he played it safe. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, Drake didn't, he didn't give me nothing that I didn't get from him 10 years ago. It's some funny jokes, you wearing costumes, like making us laugh, ha ha ha. Yeah. But it was like you didn't, and that's why I talk about the Michael Jackson thing when it was disrespectful. It was like Mike gave you a new experience that you never experienced before when he made Facts. his videos. But with this thing, it's like Drake, you you could have made this video ten years ago. Yeah, like that's what I mean by it. you didn't you didn't present a new experience for me with your music, like a new visual. It was just you being an actor, you know what you what I can you agree can do with as that. well. So I, I was like, eh, it was cool, but I'm not gonna watch this video again. You know, yeah, um, it's the same shit, recycle shit. Um, but there was a song that I did want to hear because you you pointed it out. I was like, okay. all right. And when we talk about synchronicity, bro, because right. the very next song that it, it went into, it knew I needed to hear it before giving up on on Drake's album. Yeah, um, Knife Talk. Hey. And this actually connects to the video because yeah, it's it's we're talking gang Project shit. Pat. It's, it's like, bro, this is not something I need to be listening to, um, because I don't live that life. Yeah. But I love the music. I love the vibe of the thing. Um, it's like movies, man. It's like yeah, you, you don't want to be in it, but you 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 are entertained by it for sure. Yeah, and uh, Twenty One Savage killed. Like I mean, first it. of all, Project Pat killed the way he Project came Pat in on the beginning. Robert, yes. like, this shit, fire. Yes, yes. makes you with God quicker. <laughs> right, like, right, yes, sir. <laughs> but yeah, Twenty One Twenty One, he definitely killed it, bro. Um, killed it. I don't know if there's an official video. I watched the video. It didn't look like it nah. looked like it was fan made. So no, nah, there's not an official video. For okay, that one. but yeah, I'm bro. And why I say that's a good song, I listen to it. To me, a good song is once I finish listening to it, I gotta hear. Actually, I ain't gonna lie, bro. I rewind Patrick Pep's part. I rewind his part like four times. I restarted yeah. like you know, DJ Blake. We gotta bring uh, that back. <laughs> <laughs> I did that, bro. I restarted. I was like, bro, he killed it. That was like, um, but I listened to that song about shit, three or four times in a row. All I'm on. So. That's my favorite song on the album. I don't want to hear nothing else. It's a good one. Uh, but good of course, one. I'm probably gonna address it. I'll, I'll listen to some new songs probably later. I'll discover them. But yeah, yeah. Just like from this. that, to me, that song alone makes made it worth it. It's a good album. I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> it's a good album because of that song. <laughs> oh, sweet. Hey, speaking that. of albums, though, speaking of albums, so I had asked Malcolm this question when we was in California, right? Based on some of the information I have been seeing. I wanted to get his opinion. Now I want to get your opinion. So, these are the three Malcolm names. Malcolm is our brother, by the way, y'all. Oh, yeah. So. Malcolm is our little brother. Uh, you'll you'll hear about my him younger a lot. Brother. He and my little brother. He my yeah, younger he my brother. Little, so. He my little brother. But uh, you'll hear about him a lot, and he'll probably be on here sometime soon. But here's what I asked him. So, here's the three. here, here are the three artists, Dusty. Kendrick Lamar. Frank Ocean. You mean Oklahoma? Oh, my bad. Oklahoma, Frank Ocean, and Adele, right? There are rumors swirling. We don't. We never know with these with these artists. There are rumors swirling that their albums are either done or close to completion. So, here's the scenario. If I was to tell you two of the three are going to drop this year, right? Which one would you, which one would you guess is not dropping this year? Out of those, Probably three. Frank's. Okay. 
I just feel like Odell. I mean, I'm sorry, Adele. We about to be around the holidays. <laughs> <and> Adele, <laughs> right? Odell. With Adele, we're gonna be around the holidays. So, like with a singer, sometimes it's easier to take advantage. I mean, I don't know what the trends of the industry nah, right. are right now, but you right. a singer, I, I just feel like unless she's gonna wait until Valentine's Day, I don't know. Right. You know, I don't know what what she's on right now as far as her music goes either. Right. But so I don't know, bro. Honestly, she does feel very holiday. Assume. She does feel very holiday music. So I would assume she's gonna drop something closer around the holidays, versus I don't know what time of the year she would drop it next year. But um, and the only reason I say Oklahoma over Frank is just because we're waiting for him. So we would hope. Yeah. I would hope. Uh, I would hope too. He just drops it sooner than later. Frank, he's just so free. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. That uh, if he wants to wait until next summer to drop it, he can, and it's gonna we'll be ready. You know, it's gonna do numbers. Yeah, he's on he's on his own timeline for sure. Just because of how he got out of his deal, I know from like the news I've seen so far is he's done with his album, and right now he's just shopping to uh, record labels for distribution. That's so, crazy. Yeah, so uh, it's it's done, and we we should be expecting it anytime soon. But it's a matter of when he wants to drop it. Like you said, he's on his own timeline. When he I have drops, a question. I have a question. Right time. I have a question. What's up? What does that mean in today's? Society though, for distribution, when if you go into Apple or Amazon or these streaming platforms, Spotify, to get the best deal, or what do you mean by that distribution? So I mean, mean the now? report the report said record labels, right? So it's referring to like Universal or Sony or whoever these names are, right? It's referring to those guys for distribution. But I I thought that, but still, but what you, do you are mean correct. Distribution, but you are correct that there are innovative ways. Popping up every day that we don't, that we're not even fully grasping yet. Because, like for instance, how he got out of his last deal. I don't know if you heard the story before. He dropped uh, two albums same weekend, right? He dropped an album called Endless, and that was on Friday. And now that was the final album he had to deliver to his label, right? The next day he drops Blonded, which was an Apple Music exclusive. And he got $20 okay. million dollars from Apple to drop it there. Okay. As an independent artist. So okay, that's why I say Frank Ocean ain't, ain't worried about nobody. Frank Ocean ain't worried about nobody right now because that's why he, you, never, you never should expect him to be on tour because he don't got to be on tour. He got $20 million from Apple. <laughs> well, we got to explain album. that then because that's why I keep saying. What's, what's distribution in the world where I'm not, I don't even have a CD player? Right. To, to Distribution buy is mostly, I think, product. how I would explain what he's looking for is a proper promotion uh, partner. So and that's, going to and that's, media and getting to deal with them. You say he's still yeah. going through a label, though, to market. Yeah, exactly. So, like, the way, the way Drake and Kanye just rolled out their albums with this big happenstance, this big to-do, uh, you have to understand that these labels gatekeepers yes in a way because they have they still have the number one partnerships with all these tv places all these movie places if you want to get placements on with the nba finals or get placements with the super bowl or get placements with this premiere of the biggest marvel movie coming out this week this this week or whatever you know what i mean yeah you have to have contacts with the right people to get those placements and be in the right place that makes sense with your music you know, uh, so that's that's I think what he's looking for. He's looking for the people to, to go to present to him who has the best marketing plan for my album. 
you know, that's probably what he's looking for when he's going to shopping. And so I would agree with you on that because it's going to take some time to find the right partner and develop that uh, game plan and execute that game plan. Whereas with Kendrick and Adele, they're settled in with their labels already. And if their albums are done, then it's only a matter of pushing a button <laughs> and saying it's time. You know what I mean? So cool. I would agree with you on that one. We shall see. Yeah. But one one last thing I did want to touch on before we got out of here. Uh, and just real quick, it's not going to take too long. Chloe, uh, before, Chloe Bailey. Is just going by Chloe right now because she's uh, going on a solo artist stuff. Performed on uh, on Jimmy Fallon yesterday, which would be Tuesday, October 12th. And I uh, thought it was interesting. I, I just wanted to bring it up because she had performed this song already, you know, like at the VMAs, right? She did her just a normal performance of it. But this one on, on the Jimmy Fallon show, she performed it with a... Uh, she started off by calling it the Big Booty Sonata. And she did it kind of like just uh, with strings, the first verse, with just strings, right? And then she goes over to, like, the Kanye drum pad, the runaway thing. She started doing a little, like, remix of, of the song with it, right? But the whole time, she's, like, really singing, showing off her vocals, you know? And I, I think it's dope. I think it's dope because it shows the evolution of the song, right? The song has already blown up. It, it blew up on TikTok before it even came out, right? So right. everybody knew the everybody knew the booty so big, Lord have mercy part before it even came out. So yeah, you accomplish that goal. And then you release the video, it blows up, you do the VMA performance, it goes crazy. Now it's a successful song that's getting rumored to have a remix with Beyonce and Megan Thee Stallion. And instead of just redoing a normal performance on Jimmy Fallon, she re- she totally remixed it. it. Like it's nothing like the original track, right? And I think it's dope. Because that I think that's the true sign of like a a developed artist to be able to come back and not just redo the track five times on five different shows. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like it's like the telling of a story and letting the, letting the song have it have a life of its own throughout the progress of it all. And so this version of it is not possible without the performance of the VMAs, obviously. But the VMA performance isn't necessary to just re- redo. And I think it's dope that she has that. I don't know if it's the team that she has around her or just her own sensibilities, you know, creative sensibilities. But I think it's dope that they pulled that off. And the performance is dope as, too. Dope as fuck, too. So you should check that out when you get a chance. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Because you don't see that with every artist these days. You know, most artists just repeat and just keep on doing the same performance over and over again. That's facts, yeah. Or the DJ... Yeah, if they have a band, it's the same, you know, it's a rock band. It sounds like church music. Or the BET Awards. It's church music. Yeah. <laughs> so so I appreciated that. Yeah, I just want to point that out. Let her know I'm I'm, I'm seeing what you're doing, darling. So, yeah, man. I think that's a good place, bro. Unless you got something else you wanted to t- touch on before we got out of no, here. I'm just, I'm just saying that, that too, though. Like, um... I just automatically assume that she has mentorship through Beyonce. So Right. Right. Uh, the right people. Hopefully. I mean that's those are big shoes to carry or fill. For sorry, sure. you know. Um and at the same time you don't want to copycat 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you looking at her, you just be like, I mean, she just basically Beyonce 2.0 or whatever you want to call it. You know what I right. mean? Right. Right. Um, trying to be her. Um, so, um, I, I did see that when you posted it, when I seen her with that the, the machine, the beat machine, it kind of just reminded me of when they were back in their house making beats on their, you know, Facts. thing. So I thought that was that was cool. You know, whether oh, that sure. was an homage or not, or maybe not even homage, but that's just a part of, like you said, that's just a part of her uh, her performance. That, like that's how she makes her songs, and that's that's her, that's her instrument. You know what I'm saying? Like Alicia yeah. has a piano. It shows her growth. Like this this is something she. She uh, attached herself to this along the time of her being in the group with her sister. And one of the things she wants to carry on. I think it's a dope uh, asset to have next to the fact that you look good and you're dancing and you sing hella good. You know what I mean? It's just another thing to add to the list of things that make you dope. So keep it up, Chloe. Yeah, Chloe with the shots over the O. But amen. I think that's a good that's a good time to wrap this up, man. Uh still haven't come up with a with a good outro for this show yet. But uh We got time. We got time. We we try to make it to hundred episodes. We got plenty of these are facts. These are facts. We got to pick plenty it up. of time to come up with We're trying to get to hundred episodes by the end of this year. No, I'm playing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah, I'm I think this was a good show, bro. Had a good time. Uh if you made it this far. Listening on Spotify, Anchor, or YouTube, or watching on YouTube. But thank you. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed to all those platforms, if you can, find us on Instagram. Like up, all that kind of stuff. Like they say, it helps our algorithm. So, you know, spread the word. Thanks for being a part of the first 100. Yes, indeed. And this was Synchronicity, bro.